Hello, trainers. It's that time of the week again. Friday. The day I semi-arbitrarily decided that this should be on. Thanks, Arceus, for picking that day to release on. Yay. Speaking of Arceus, it's great. I finally played it. I spent like 10 hours in the first area. And I swear I'll probably stop talking about it now. It's been like four episodes I've mentioned it. I also got a new capture card, so hopefully I can stream it and other console games to my friends now, but I think I need a new computer first because I tried to test it out on Discord and it kind of blew everything up. I did admittedly have other stuff running, but I don't know. If it broke that bad, I think it's just going to be broken until I get a new computer. But that leads into another thing. I also found a GPU in the wild. Like a brand new, unopened GPU in Best Buy, and I was really hesitant to get it because I'm like, there has to be a reason this is here, right? But I got it at the recommendation of my friends, and I just need to save up for the rest of the PC because it was still expensive. But hopefully I'll actually be able to do stuff on my computer that's a little bit more intensive now. Because I haven't been able to do a whole lot while multitasking. I have to have everything closed, and maybe it'll work. I also can't stream or do VR stuff. It's just not happening. So maybe this will do it. I also know last episode I said near the end, like, oh, an hour's a good time, and it ended up being 40 minutes. But that's because my recording was an hour 20, and I just actually had 40 minutes of garbage to trim off. Just, like, flubbed readings, um, awkward pauses like that one. And ideally, you guys didn't even know this. There were a couple that were impossible to fix, really, and were probably very noticeable, but I tried my best. So it's really anyone's guess how long an episode will be now. It's it's just a fun little game we all get to play together. I'm also a little bit sad because my water bottle, which I've been working very hard to keep out of the audio reel, it's busted. It's It's getting pretty pretty up there in age and uh it's one of the ones with like a little plug that goes into a mouthpiece and the plug is just falling off the handle it's very sad i gotta get a new one because i actually really like this water bottle i don't know why this one just speaks to me but it does i don't know it's just convenient for me anyway let's start the thing let's go all right we are starting with episode eight the path to the pokemon league Synopsis. On the way to Vermilion City, Ash hears about an undefeated leader of an unofficial Pokemon gym. Ash challenged the leader, a boy named AJ, but loses to his powerful Sandshrew. However, upon seeing how AJ trains his Pokemon, Ash is appalled with their treatment. Meanwhile, Team Rocket forms another plan to steal Pikachu. Will the two trainers set aside their differences to stop Team Rocket? Who knows? Find out tonight on this episode of Dragon Ball Z. So point of order, this is actually the first filler episode of the anime, quote-unquote, where nothing advances the plot, no characters besides the main cast reappear or become reoccurring, no Pokemon are caught, evolved, or released, no overarching story occurs, and no character traits or details are revealed. Episode doesn't even take place in the real location from the game. It doesn't mean that those are going to be bad episodes, just that in theory they could be skipped, and you would have no inkling that they even existed. Even four kids skipped some of them. Like, it's just easy to do. They also skipped the fun Porygon episode, which, wink, we are going to talk about at some point, because it is actually available to watch. The episode begins by Ash forgetting where he's going, and Misty and Brock have to remind him. After the title card, it cuts to Ash defeating another kid's Radita, and being super proud of it, being his 10th win in a row. The kid says that Ash was pretty good, 
causing Ash to not so subtly brag about his two badges, with Misty and Brock regretting letting him have them. The kid also then says that Ash could probably defeat AJ, the kid who built his own gym and has never lost a single match, to which Ash boldly says, Until now! He's getting a big head. Yeah, but his brain's still the same size. Arriving at AJ's place, Ash mocks the gym for not being league-sanctioned, despite there being no reason to expect it to be. The gym also has a big LED sign advertising 98 wins and zero losses. With no proof that that's actually true, like he could just be lying. AJ walks up and confidently accepts Ash's challenge. They head to the gym grounds, which has a battlefield and a giant tent. Where are AJ's parents? And how did he get all this land and building supplies as a young child? Who knows? Maybe he had Phineas and Ferb's help or something. After cracking a whip at Ash, AJ explains that once he has 100 wins, he'll be confident enough to compete for badges despite other people earning them with much less, like Ash, which he promptly brags about. AJ then proceeds to make fun of Ash's wins, saying that they were probably flukes or straight-up illegitimate, and then lands this zinger. Either that or you competed in some loser gyms. Where were they? Failure City or Whipsville? Causing Brock and Misty to demand Ash draw blood this match. AJ sends out his sand true while Ash sends out Pidgeotto. Ash mocks that sand true can't fly and hit his bird. Santru then promptly roll jump flies and hits his bird, knocking it out instantly. Ash then sends out his Butterfree. Santru, following nonverbal orders AJ gives with his whip crack, uses Dig. Despite it being a ground move used against a flying Pokemon, meaning it should do no damage whatsoever, Butterfree is knocked out as well. Pulling on Pikachu's tail, Ash then tries to get Pikachu to battle as well, but the little mouse refuses and electrocutes him. Meanwhile, Team Rocket is watching the battle from a distance, remarking that the Sand Shrew is powerful, and then criticizing AJ's fashion sense. AJ celebrates his 99th win, while Ash angrily declares that AJ cheated. Which, I mean, kinda, the type matchup was impossible, but it's using realistic anime logic, so I agree with AJ here. Chill out. While Ash is bemoaning himself, the trio hears AJ angrily yelling and cracking his whip at his Pokemon. Inside the tent, there is a very obviously edited in for the dub sign that has a Pokeball and a whip that judders around. It's actually kind of funny to see. You should watch this episode, if anything, just for that. Oh, and also all of AJ's Pokemon are going through more or less a torture dungeon for training, such as Beedrill stab dodging, flame hoop jumping, and for Sandshrew, jumping into a pool of water. It jumps out immediately, and AJ whips it and yells for it to get back in. Where are this kid's parents? How did he get the money and land to build all of this? Why would Phineas and Ferb do something like this? Ash rushes in and shoves AJ into the pool. AJ angrily climbs out and explains that the bracer his Sandshrew is wearing and its water resistance training are all to make it stronger. Sandshrew then curls into a ball and is passed around by Radita, while the dub desperately tries to cover up another untranslatable joke involving Apello. Hey, wait! I thought you said pacing, not passing. Oh. Oh. Huh? I said padding. I mean, I said pacing. AJ says that he asks no more of Sandshrew than he does himself. Which is not true, as there is no way this slightly chubby little kid is running through flaming hoops, diving into pools of more or less acid, and dodging beedrill stabs. AJ then explains that the reason he's especially hard on Sandshrew is because they're his first Pokemon, and the two vowed to be the strongest together. It seems like it's kind of one-sided, though. Ash still isn't buying it, and remains disgusted at how cruel AJ is being to his Pokemon. 
100% on Ash's side here. Honestly, AJ's insane and is violating so many animal rights laws, even for Pokemon standards. It's pretty bad. However, Brock, someone who in his debut episode was explicitly stated to care for Pokemon's well-being immensely, is fine with it because the Pokemon are in great shape due to AJ's custom-made food. Thanks for backing us up, Brock. Outside the gym, Team Rocket is plotting their next Pikachu heist, shoving him into a big rubber ball, before they get distracted thinking about coming up with their own theme song. Inside again, AJ's Pokemon are given a 15-minute break. Ash, looking around at a bunch of Pokemon that are near death, is justifiably even more angry. AJ claims that in his gym, he lives by no pain, no gain. Which is more like rules for thee, but not for me. After AJ then proceeds to insult Pikachu, Ash once again shoves himself and AJ into the pool. And then they just start throwing hands. They are actively trying to strangle and drown each other. Pikachu then proceeds to trap itself in Sandshrew's brace, breaking his spine as he's forced into a ball, and Sandshrew laughs at this grievous injury. However, he is then mistakenly grabbed by Team Rocket, who rolled into the gym via their giant rubber ball and couldn't see what they were grabbing. It's unfortunate that this is an audio-only show because Team Rocket's running animation as they escape the gym is actually really funny. Like, once again, watch this episode just for that and nothing else. Climbing out of the pool, AJ realizes his Sandshrew is gone, then frees Pikachu from his saw torture device. Ash says that maybe Sandshrew ran away due to the abuse, which AJ angrily denies, despite Ash really making a good point. Team Rocket opens the bag they grabbed Sandshrew in, and it immediately escapes by tumbling away, grabbing Meowth by accident. While Ash tries and fails to start a mutiny in AJ's gym, Sandshrew returns. Brock then proceeds to explain that AJ's Pokemon care for him despite his toughness because AJ cares for them as well, despite it really not seeming like it. And Pikachu attempts to steal Meowth's head coin from his unconscious body, but upon failing, lets the trio know that it was Team Rocket who stole Sandshrew. Speaking of, Jesse and James also show up right on time to save Meowth from actually getting killed. They call AJ's Pokemon second rate, insulting his abuser pride, I guess, and causing them to challenge them to the battle for his 100th win. Jesse and James send out Ekans and Coughing, which is a phrase you will hear me say a lot until, like, Gen 2. It's also right about here that James's VA changes from Ted Lewis to Eric Stewart, which it will stay until 4Kids goes out of business and they recast everybody. Sandshrew easily kicks both of their butts, and then Meowth jumps in as well. He rolls Sandshrew around and then bites it, causing this exchange. Stop pussyfooting around! Just biting my time! It's something, all right. Sandshrew then finishes them off with a fissure attack, sending Meowth straight to the lava-filled core of the earth while screeching like this. <laughs> Thankfully, Meowth crawls out of the pit, and all of Team Rocket runs off while AJ celebrates his 100th victory. Ash offers for him to come along with the group, but AJ declines, bidding farewell to the trio and leaving on his own journey with Sandshrew. He and Ash vow to meet again, which they never will. Another phrase you'll hear a lot in these filler episodes. Brock says that Ash has a new rival, which is very funny in retrospect. He then leaves his giant death tent behind as both trainers go their separate ways. The narrator then says that Ash will never forget the name of that place with the great gym, despite the name of the town slash forest never even being said once and Ash never bringing this gym up again. So this episode just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. 
People like AJ are explicitly shown to be antagonists later in the series, but here he's played as a good guy that Ash eventually comes to respect, and it's just gross. Like, actually, it's kind of gross. Heck, even Paul from Gen 4, considered one of Ash's most cruel rivals, is like a saint compared to this guy. There is also no lesson to be learned in this episode, or at least, like, no good one. Nothing is resolved. It's actually a blessing that PETA never actually watched any Pokemon when they had that huge campaign about it during Generation 5, or else they would have gotten a lot of mileage out of this episode. I think I would actually be much more okay with this episode if both Ash and AJ had revelations. Ash could be like, oh, he's only hard on them because he cares, and a lot of work is the only way someone can get better. While AJ is then also like, I may be pushing them too hard. Sometimes we need breaks and care just as much as we need training. The revelation could have happened by AJ actually thinking that his Sandshrew ran away. It, I think, would have been a much better lesson of combining those two morals and having it so you're not supposed to go to either extreme, as opposed to, it's okay to abuse your Pokemon as long as you care for them. Ugh. Ash is just also especially whiny and big-headed in this episode, like, more so than any other episode. It actually gets really annoying as opposed to funny. It's just such a weird way to do a filler episode. It's kind of like having Samurai as the first trainer of the day. It's just so out there and odd, and I don't like it. It's not a good episode and has a very not great message. It's bad, and the only good parts are with Team Rocket being goobers. Let's face it, that's a lot of episodes, honestly, but yeah. Next one! Episode 9, The School of Hard Knocks. Synopsis. The main trio comes across a young schoolboy being tormented by his older classmates as a form of tutoring. Unhappy with the way he's treated, the group go to confront the girl leading the tutoring, but learn that she has the battling skill to match her confidence. Misty and Ash have to prove that book smarts isn't all there is to battling. Interesting note here that I got from the Bulbapedia trivia page for this episode. Rachel Lillis voices almost all of Pikachu's lines in this episode for some reason. I can't really find the actual reason, but I also didn't look too hard because I have to get this thing out quick before I have to work again and don't have time to record, so forgive me for my lack of research. This one begins by the trio walking lost in the fog, with Misty yelling about her bike seemingly out of nowhere. She then says what her name is, out loud, and Brock scolds them for getting everyone lost on the way to Vermilion, and then breaks the fourth wall by saying that they're late to start the show. All in all, a very weird way to explain to viewers what's happening. After the title card, Brock sets up a small yet fancy dinner table, then says that the kids are too young to have coffee before offering them prune juice instead. Every kid's favorite! Brock also mentions that he brought French crepes, with Misty lovingly imagining herself in France. It's more fun for me to just imagine that this is also sort of like the real fish scenario from the Cerulean Gym episode, where this is like... Just a placeholder for Kalos and not actually France. However, Brock, angrily for some reason, tells Ash to go get firewood to make everything. Like, he just says this like he's furious for some reason. I don't know why. I can't cook crepes and I can't boil water if I don't have a fire! While wandering through the fog, Ash sees a light and approaches to find a kid running on a treadmill while answering questions about Pokemon. Interestingly, this episode actually has one of the only instances in the series that Pokemon levels and move learning at certain intervals are actually brought up. 
outside of this episode, it's usually just a, oh, you get stronger over time. There's no levels. You just learn moves because the situation calls for it. I don't know. The kid on the treadmill forgets the answer to a question, causing the treadmill to speed up and him to fall off. Ash rushes to his rescue and tells off the older students that were quizzing him. Misty then also appears out of literally nowhere and agrees with Ash. But Ash then tells her to stay out of this. She's finally had enough and then just smugly tells him, Okay, Ash, fine. Take on all five of these kids. Have fun. Luckily for him, the students say they're too good for fighting and walk away, or Ash would have been killed. Rock then also shows up out of nowhere, still stirring his food, and he and Misty explain that the kids are from Pokemon Technical Institute, an elite rich kid's school that allows its graduates to challenge the Pokemon League without any badges, which honestly has some really neat implications for and is a cool addition to the Pokemon lore, I think. Sadly, it's only brought up like one other time, kind of. The fog then suddenly also clears, revealing that it's a weather simulation set up by the school, you know, one that affects the surrounding area in extremely detrimental ways. It's kind of like My Hero Academia, honestly. This is also the first time that weather conditions are ever brought up in the anime, before they were even a thing in the game, so purely coincidentally, actually. The kid, who's named Joe, explains that sometimes he pretends to not know the answer so that the questions don't get too much harder, while also simultaneously defending the tutoring system. Kinda sending mixed messages, kid. He also then points out an upperclassman, a full-grown adult man, explaining that classes are so hard that some people stay here for years, too ashamed to go home empty-handed. Which means that full-grown people are attending a school full of minors. Cool, great, glad to hear. Ash, enraged at the treatment Joe is receiving, demands to meet the person in charge of this tutoring system. Joe shows them a picture of a female classmate, clearly taken from behind her without her knowing, causing Ash and Brock to both fall in love with her. Not only is this the first and basically only time Ash has a visible crush on anyone, Brock's comment is creepy in both languages. In Japanese, he says that she'll be great in eight years, while in English he says, Oh, she can violate my rights anytime. Which is still also cut in most showings of the dub, and it's cut in the most awkward place too. She can violate my rights if- Hey! Misty asks why Joe is carrying her picture around, to which he says, I hate the way she treats us, but I like the way she looks. Not only do I love the way this line is delivered, it kind of reminds me of like a Charlie Brown cartoon for some reason, but also, fair kid, go get it. Just maybe be less creepy about taking secret pictures next time. Like use her yearbook photo or something. It's, it's a better way that's a little less creepy. Not much, but a little. Misty, now more upset than before, storms her way into the building to challenge this girl herself. Meanwhile, Team Rocket looks on from the distance, sadly reminiscing about how they both attended this school, but each got the lowest scores in the school's history. While this makes sense for James, who's revealed to be a spoiled rich kid later in the show, it really makes no sense for Jesse. It is stated often in this series how she grew up dirt poor, and it's also said in this episode how expensive the school is, so how she managed to get in is anyone's guess. The two also most likely attended the school at different times due to them later revealing that they also didn't know each other until joining Team Rocket. The episode where they reveal that kind of retroactively makes a lot of their stories really weird to place in the timeline, but we'll get to that later. Joe brings the group inside, offhandedly bragging about how even at his low rank in the class, he's better than both Ash's two badges and also beats Misty's gym in the simulator constantly. Misty angrily battles him to prove him wrong, insisting that the simulation isn't as good as the real deal. 
And it turns out she's right because she sends out her Starmie and Joe sends out his Weeping Bell and Misty instantly kills it with a single water gun. Gazelle, the student in charge of the tutoring, shows up and makes fun of Joe for losing, explaining that, well, yeah, it's a gym leader's Pokemon. Of course it's better than someone who's basically never battled IRL. Misty insists on challenging Giselle, incensed at her turning her back on someone who needs help. Ash wonders if he should step in, and Brock goes, No, Ash, never get involved in a catfight. Let's just let this play out. Giselle sends out Graveler, confident in her skill and its power. And the confidence is well-placed, as Graveler rolls into Starmie, breaks its gem, and sends it flying out a window. It then cuts to down by the pool, where Misty is comforting her Starmie, while Gazelle offers a round two, by the pool this time, where Misty will have the advantage. Misty yells that Gazelle will just pick another Pokemon that's weak to water, and she makes it sound like Gazelle is cheating, despite her actually giving Misty every advantage in the world. And Gazelle even calls her out, being like, It's the skill that matters, not the typing. Uh. She does kind of sound like that. She's the like, kind of type character. I forget the trope name, but you've seen them before in anime. Ash steps in to defend Misty, saying that he's already gotten two badges. Once again, just cannot stop bragging about that. But more importantly, has been traveling for about two months. This is once again important to me because it proves the time is marching forward for our supposed eternal 10-year-old. Like, I am still convinced that Ash is not actually 10 later in the series. I think he's like 16 or something now. Like, he 100% ages. They explicitly say time is passing. Gazelle makes fun of Ash for still not having tamed Pikachu enough to put him in a ball, and continues to make fun of, and profess Ash's lack of, skill. Despite her kind of sounding more like she's hyping him up. Oh, wow! No knowledge of the starter you picked, having it be low-leveled, only having three Pokemon total, traveling for just a short two months, and you already have two badges? <laughs> oh, what a loser! Gazelle agrees to the battle, sending out her Cubone. Pikachu tries to shock it, but since electricity doesn't work on ground, it fails. Cubone leers at Pikachu, and Pikachu tries to make a funny face back, but Cubone just bonks them with their bone. Bonk! Ash says that's not fair, which it is. Cubone then bone meringues Pikachu, which Ash also says is cheating. Gazelle rightfully says that it's a legit move approved by the Pokemon League, and then Ash says, Well, if bone throwing is fair, then fighting back is too. And like, yeah, it's a Pokemon battle. I thought that was expected. Pikachu then dodges the next bone throw and spins Cubone's bone mask around before biting, scratching, slapping, and putting it in the path of its own boomerang. However, and this is going to be very hard to explain without visuals, based on the shape of Cubone's face, where the snout extends into the mask, Pikachu spinning the mask around just twists this Cubone's neck because the snout is 100% pulled with it. Like, it does not show up underneath the bone mask or something after it's spun around. Like, this boy's snout just spins a full 180. Its neck is snapped. Pikachu killed this Cubone. Like, don't worry, it's actually fine, but, like, seriously, look up this episode, watch this part, and just, like, pay attention to the way Cubone's head has to be positioned for it to physically fit in this skull mask still. Like, that neck, all the way around. Despite being the one to profess how much skill matters more than typing in moves, Gazelle is stunned that Pikachu won without using electricity. Despite Pikachu also obviously knowing non-electric moves and this girl supposedly being top of her class... I guess she just doesn't know. Suddenly, Team Rocket shows up. 
Then they are immediately chased away less than a minute later by all of the students throwing not their Pokemon, but their Pokeballs at them. Don't want to draw a bunch of Pokemon on the screen with this current animation tech. It just costs way too much. Joe tells Gazelle that he's returning home to start from scratch with his Pokemon, just like Ash had. And considering how expensive this school is, I imagine it'll go just as well as a kid telling their parents that they've dropped out of college after the parents already paid for the freshman year. How that goes is up to your imagination. Joe asks if he can keep her picture. A very creepy thing for even an innocent 10-year-old to ask, especially considering that, once again, this picture is from behind her, and very clearly without her knowing. She says sure, she has a picture of her friends too. Weird. Joe asks if she has his, and she says, We're friends now, so of course. I don't know why she thinks this kid is her friend now, like nothing happened between them. She called him an idiot, and then they never made up, she never said sorry. They're just friends now. Gazelle hopes that her, Ash, and Joe will all be able to battle again one day. Which they won't. And the group heads off. The narrator says that they look back at the school where they learned so much. Despite them not really learning anything. And then BAM! Pokey rap. Gotta catch them all, gotta catch them all. Hey guys, I'm kind of ticked off. Because I recorded this whole episode, like a good hour 20 minutes worth of content... And Audacity stopped working when I wasn't paying attention. It is just gone. It stopped at 40 minutes. So I have to redo half of this episode again. Forgive me if my voice sounds a little strained, or if I try to rush through things, because I'm upset. I was so proud of this episode, too. It was going to be so good. So anyway, this is kind of a black sheep of an episode, even for Gen 1. It brings up game mechanics like leveling that are never brought up again. It has Ash fall for a girl, which never happens again. It has an in-universe way to get into the league without badges, which I think is only ever brought up one more time. And it just feels like a kind of nothing episode. Like, a lot happened in it, I guess, but it just feels like overall nothing happened, even for a filler episode. There's really not much to add to this conversation besides the plot summary and just saying that it's mediocre. It's just an episode that exists, and nothing more. However, it does lead us to episode 10, Bulbasaur and the Hidden Village. Synopsis. Ash and Misty get separated from Brock. While hunting him down, they discover a cabin owned by a kind woman who takes care of sick Pokemon, with a headstrong Bulbasaur acting as their protector. But when Team Rocket tries to capture the weakened Pokemon, Bulbasaur's strength is put to the test. The episode begins with the trio still lost, as they are at the start of most episodes between gym battles. I guess they never ask the school for directions. When breaking at a small stream, Ash sees an Oddish and wants to catch it, but Misty jumps in and says that she wants it, because it's near the water, which is her specialty. Ash just agrees to this. Okay, Misty. Misty has Starmie weaken it to near obliteration, but right as she throws the Pokeball, it's blocked by a Bulbasaur. Bulbasaur beats up Starmie no problem, so Ash sends out Butterfree to catch it. He has it use Sleep Powder, but Bulbasaur just blows it right back at it somehow, and then knocks out Butterfree, running away with the Oddish. It then very quickly cuts to the trio walking across a rickety wooden bridge, which has one of the sides snap from under them. Brock falls to his death. Like, I'm not kidding, he just falls to his death. Okay, I'm kind of kidding, he just falls, but like seriously, this should have killed him. Then Ash and Misty just somehow make it to safety off camera. The two of them then rush down to look for Brock, and Misty falls into a pitfall trap. Walking further downstream, the two are then caught in a rope trap and can't escape. Bulbasaur sees them in the net, then laughs at them and walks away. 
It then cuts to Team Rocket, who is trying to find the village. It then cuts away from them again. Thanks. While still stuck in the net, Ash wonders if Brock washed all the way to the ocean and was kidnapped by pirates. Then came the storm. Maybe the river carried him far away, all the way to the ocean. Then some pirates spotted him and brought him aboard their ship, and one of the pirates has a wooden leg. You have a crazy imagination. Kachoo! Then came the storm. Ahoy! Huh? Huh? Thankfully, Brock comes out of the woods to progress the plot and lets the two of them down. Why they never had Pikachu use Scratch, which they used last episode, I don't know. They never even considered it. Brock explains that he was saved by a kind woman who runs a village for sick, injured, and abandoned Pokemon. And he's been helping out because he got another crush. He leads the two to the village, where they meet the woman, Melanie, who I like calling John, because John Melanie. She explains that she set the traps to prevent trainers and poachers from hunting down the easy targets she was taking care of. Meanwhile, Team Rocket is crossing the half-broken bridge, which then completely collapses under them, washing them downstream as well. Misty then makes fun of Brock's new crush, causing him to punch her in the head. Twice. It's just really weird seeing Misty being on the receiving end of physical abuse as opposed to her doing it to Brock or Ash. It just is odd. It then cuts to Team Rocket falling into their third pitfall trap of the day, causing Jesse to be angry, but James to be impressed. They also get stuck in the rope trap. Meanwhile, back in the village, Misty apologizes to the Oddish she tried to catch, and feels bad that the Oddish was one of the abandoned Pokemon. She is forgiven, and has a heart-to-heart with the Oddish. Which Ash then interrupts. All I think about lately is winning. I hope I'm not becoming heartless. You are always heartless! Bulbasaur then rushes in to protect the Oddish. Ash assumes that the Bulbasaur is just upset because Ash would have beaten it before it ran away. No, he wouldn't have. John Melanie steps in to prevent the confrontation and explains that Bulbasaur hates Pokemon trainers due to all of the abandonment going on around it. Team Rocket shows up. Yay! Prepare for trouble and make it double. So their plan is they get a stadium, like a full-fledged giant stadium, tie balloons to it, then drop it on the village, and use a giant vacuum hose to suck all the Pokemon in. Where they got a stadium, and how they got it so quickly, I have no idea at all. Brock rushes everyone into the cabin, but Oddish is about to be sucked up. Bulbasaur saves them with a vine whip, but has trouble moving to the cabin, so Ash rushes over as well to help give Bulbasaur the extra push it needs. Team Rocket is like, well hey, they're all in one place now, let's just move the hose to suck up the cabin. But then Bulbasaur vine whips the hose away while Ash sends out Pidgeotto to use Gust, mixing with the vacuum Gust and creating a giant tornado which blasts Team Rocket away. They also make a really unfitting baseball joke to cover up a joke in the original referencing a Japanese baseball player, and it's just kind of awkward. Melanie encourages Ash to take Bulbasaur with him, as it can't grow right in the village, and is also too good of a protector, causing some of the Pokemon to not want to leave after they should have returned to the wild. However, Bulbasaur insists that Ash battle it first, so Ash sends out his Pikachu, who gets beaten at first, but then just murders Absit through its vine whip and wins, letting Ash catch it and add it to his team. John Melanie then sees the group off, thanking Bulbasaur. Brock offers to stay and help, but gets denied. Ash says that Bulbasaur is sure to see its friends again one day, which it won't. Misty then makes fun of Brock's crush again. This is before it comes to the point where his crushes just make her upset, and right now she's just in a little funny teasy mode. <laughs> Episode end! Honestly, after the mess that was the last two episodes, this was kind of a good return to form. 
Its pacing was a little quick during the essential moments, and it had a lot of nothing moments in it as well, but I think it hit all of the points that it needed to. It had battles, it had captures, it didn't have horrible people as the focus of the episode, and it didn't really have too much early installment weirdness going on. Everything seemed pretty in line with the lore. Plus, having Ash gain Bulbasaur, one of the icons of Gen 1, is a pretty big draw, and it starts a trilogy of episodes where Ash gets the other starters, who will make up pretty much his entire party, along with Pidgeotto and Pikachu for the remainder of Gen 1. While this episode wasn't really super funny or quotable, it still was a good episode, I think. Maybe a little bit bland, but definitely not bad. Finally for today, for the second time I'm recording this, Episode 11, Charmander the Stray Pokemon. Synopsis. The group comes across a weakened Charmander in the woods. They learn that it's loyally awaiting its trainer, and decide to leave it be so that it can be picked up again. However, the trio learn that its trainer abandoned it for being too weak, and quickly rush back to save its life from a terrible rainstorm. So surprise, the episode starts with the group still lost, with Ash lamenting that there's nothing but Spearow in this area. Even though he hasn't caught a Spearow yet, and could easily do so right now. He's just upset about that, I guess. Ash takes another look at the map, and realizes that while they are in the middle of nowhere, they can actually easily get to Route 24 from where they are, which will lead them right to Vermilion City. As they're about to head off, they are all spooked by a giant silhouette, which they quickly realize is actually just a Charmander. We learn from the Pokedex that it will die if its flame goes out, a very important detail to remember for this episode, and even some in the future. Ash tries to catch it so that he can heal it at the Pokemon Center and then keep it, but the Charmander knocks the ball away. Misty then says she should catch it, again going against her water types are best policy. Brock points out that its flame is weak and tells Ash to try catching it one more time. It goes into the ball this time, but just breaks out. As the trainers wonder why it has so much energy, Pikachu goes up to talk to it, and then conveys to Ash that it's waiting for its trainer to return, so the group decide to just leave it be to be found. Later in the day, the group find the Pokemon Center, and make it inside just as it starts to rain. It then shows the Charmander suffering in the storm while really sad music plays. But it then immediately cuts to the Pokemon Center again, where the group is eating and overhears a trainer named Damien talking to his friends. Now, Damien is a horrible person. Easy. No debates. 100%. But he is also one of the best one-off characters ever, just because of how he says Charmander. I came back for Charmander. Damien brags about how he left his Charmander to die in the woods because it was too weak, lying and saying that he'll come back to get it just to have it stop following him. Brock gets up and throws hands with Damien, saying that he should go get the Charmander before it dies. Before a battle breaks out, Nurse Joy breaks up the argument, saying, There's a rule that Pokemon should never be used in personal fights. A rule that all of our protagonists, especially Ash, have broken and will continue to break for as long as this series goes. Brock crushes on Nurse Joy, Misty says that all of them are alike, and Ash, in order to match lip flaps, has this really weird pause in his pun. What are you talking about? She looks just like all the other Joys. Yeah, it's a joyful world. All right, snap out of it. The group rushes out into the storm to save Charmander, who's being attacked by opportunistic Sparrow trying to kill and eat it. Pikachu electrocutes the birds and then also the group by accident. It didn't hit Charmander, but I think that's just because they didn't want to show this thing getting kicked while it was down. The trio then grab and rush the Charmander to the Pokemon Center, protecting its flame from the rain on the way there. Nurse Joy works through the night to heal it and reports that Charmander should be fine by morning. 
But when morning comes, the group learn that Charmander vanished during the night. And while they want to help, they resign themselves knowing that Charmander has to decide to give up on Damien by itself and continue on their journey reluctantly. Meanwhile, Team Rocket uses an overcomplicated machine to dig a pitfall trap, saying that this time it'll work because they'll remember where the hole is this time. I said this time twice. It's my show. I'll do whatever I want. <laughs> and the hole does work this time. Everyone but Pikachu falls into the hole, letting Team Rocket steal it using rubber hazmat suits and the balloon bazooka launcher. The balloon somehow homes in on and then closes around Pikachu, trapping it inside. I know for a fact that the gif of Pikachu getting caught by it is shared around a lot of furry circles. Ash isn't able to climb out of the hole, but thankfully Charmander shows up and flamethrowers Team Rocket, saving Pikachu. Ash then offers for Charmander to join his group, saying that Damien won't come back. But Damien, having seen it beat Team Rocket, comes back and walks over to reclaim it, believing that the Fire Lizard is actually strong now. He then says, out loud, completely unprovoked, oh, It's fine to abandon weak Pokemon. I was willing to let my Charmander die, but I changed my mind after seeing it fight. Because he's strong now. So he tries to get it back in the Pokeball, and then Charmander explicitly rejects that by knocking the Pokeball right back at him. As Damien is about to call all of his Pokemon at once, like just a big handful of like at least 20 Pokeballs, Charmander starts flamethrowing him and Pikachu joins in by zapping him and then he runs away with severe burn wounds. Way to go, Charmander! Ash offers for Brock to take the Charmander for helping save it, but Brock declines, saying that Ash was the one who kept its tail lit. Ash accepts and Charmander happily joins Ash's party as the group continues towards Vermilion. Again. That's gonna be how the next couple episodes end as well. And actually even further, if you just go, continue towards insert blank city. Like, just put whatever city there, they're going towards it, and it's gonna take them seven episodes to do it. Now, honestly, this episode is one of my favorites out of, I think, the entire Pokemon series. I like Charmander, he's one of my favorite Pokemon in Ash's group, and also just in my top Pokemon in general. He's not number one, that honor goes to Blaziken, but he's up there somewhere, the whole Charizard line is. I like Charizard, he's cool. This episode also has Damien and his accent, which is also phenomenal. It also has an actual plot that is unironically good and enjoyable, and I just like this episode a lot. This episode is great. I know some people have actually like felt really, really sad for Charmander for it, like full-fledged emotions towards this cartoon lizard. I love it. I really don't have much more to say than this episode is great. Just go watch it. It's really good. Okay, so half of that was my second time recording this. Hopefully that didn't degrade the quality too much, but I guess we'll find out. Anyway, thank you for listening. It really means a lot to me. And I know at least one person has started watching these episodes along with the podcast to a degree. Like, they'll listen to the podcast and watch the episode, and that made me really happy to see. So, have a good morning, evening, night, outside of space time, whatever. Just have a good one. Bye!